Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Pastor Nick. Uh, really nice to see you this morning. Um, we are just one Sunday away from Christmas Day. Seven days to go. Have you done all your Christmas shopping? Are the decorations up? My goodness, there's a lot of shaking of heads around the room. You need to get on it, people. Come on. It's coming really, really soon. Um, so we're in the middle of a series uh, on, all about God's plan. When you came up the stairs, you'd have seen in gold paint God's plan on the wall. And uh, the way we're looking at God's plan this, uh, over this series is understanding how people, specific people, interacted with the plan of God. We opened with Zechariah two weeks ago, and then we discussed Joseph last weekend. And this morning, we are going to look at the person of Mary, uh, Jesus' mother. Um, hands up here if you have been to the Ikea store in Wednesbury, just off the M6. Oh, gosh, loads of us. Yeah, okay. Um, so a few, I think this was a few years back, uh, my wife and I, Chloe, uh, uh, Chloe and I, uh, went to uh, Ikea. Uh, we decided that we would go and have lunch first and then tackle the shopping. It's never a good idea to try and get around Ikea on an empty stomach because it's miles of walking, isn't it? Um, uh, now, the Swedes are very clever people because with Ikea, what you do is you go with a shopping list and a plan and you inevitably pick up one or two more things or perhaps five or six more things. And so by the time you get to the till, you've got your, your shopping trolley and there's quite a few things in there. Um, uh, and one particular time, we, we went to Ikea to get some, I think it was some bedroom furniture for the boys. And uh, by the time we'd got to the till, we'd got quite a few extra bits, including some metal filing cabinets. Um, I don't know if you've got these in your home office at all, or perhaps in your work office, but these metal filing cabinets, they come flat packed like a lot of Ikea stuff does. Um, it's sort of like, uh, you know, you, you, you build it at home. Uh, it's got six metal drawers, each with little handles that you can pull out. Uh, they've got little casters on. You don't have to put the casters on if you want, but you can move the drawers around. They're helpful to use. Uh, and these were some things we spotted on display as we were walking around, and we thought, ah, oh, they, look, they look good. They could be very useful. You know, classic marketing ploy. See a nice marketing stand, and you think, oh, I need that. Um, so we kind of put three of these in, uh, brightly colored red, actually not too, not too uh, dissimilar to this red on the screen behind me. And we got three of these, and we got them home, and uh, we put them all together. And I have to say, Ikea were right, and I was wrong. I maybe thought I didn't need them. Actually, I Ikea, Ikea thought I did need them, and we do. And we've used them a whole load uh, ever since we bought them. In fact, I think we've bought more. Uh, we have more of these around the house. And what we have done, um, I don't know if you do this with your home organization, but we have used different drawers for different categories of stuff. Uh, so we have a drawer for the car stuff, everything to do with the car, you know, like the car insurance and uh, the, the, uh, the, the V5 logbook, the, all the paperwork to do with the car is, is in there. Um, then we have another drawer, which is to do with the finances. Anyone got a drawer at home all to do with finances? You know, you've got your mortgage in there and your bank statements and your insurance and maybe a pension. Hope you've got a pension. You know, you're working on those. So you've got some things in there, okay? Um, then there's things to do with utilities and bills and household. Um, and the, over the years, we've used drawers for all sorts of different things. I think we've got drawers at the moment uh, for things like the new, new block of printer paper, you know, so that when you need to get a new sheet of paper and put it in the printer, it's there. We've got a drawer for pens and, uh, and pencils and, and stationery. You've got drawers for everything, and it's all supposed to be organized. And when you've done it, and you've organized everything, you feel pretty good, don't you? You feel like, yeah, I'm in charge of my life. I've got IKEA metal filing cabinets, and they're working for me. Just so that you, if you want to go and buy some of these, they're called Helmer. 
H-E-L-M-E-R. You know that they have those weird names for things? You know, just in case you, you fancy treating your loved one to some new filing cabinets for Christmas. Boring present or what? Okay. So what has happened with the IKEA red filing cabinets, though, over time, is that one of the drawers, without really too much by design, one of the drawers has become the repository of what I would call memorabilia, the precious memories of our family. And so there's all sorts of precious things in there. Now, I, I, I got this out, uh, I got the drawer out and had a look at it um, uh, in preparation for my message, and there's loads of great stuff in there. Uh, and all of them are to do with special and precious moments in our history. Um, I think it was uh, when Simon was very young, when he was four, he did a woodland walk with his nursery. And then he did a drawing about that woodland walk, and it was an awesome drawing, and he brought that back with him, and we've got that in our memorabilia drawer. Um, There are homemade cards for birthdays. There's homemade Father's Day cards in there. There's homemade Mother's Mother's Day cards. There are certificates and awards, uh, exam completion letters, uh, pupil of the week celebration postcards that have come through the post. There are orders of service for weddings and for funerals and for events uh, to do with family members and friends. There's even one or two programs in there for things like drama productions, uh, where somebody in the family has played a part in a drama or a play. Um, There's a wonderful and very random comic strip version in pencil of the story of Jonah, which was crafted for us by Adam. It's beautiful. Um, There are are goodbye cards in there from workplaces. Um, There's an airmail letter in there. I'd forgotten I had this when when I went through the drawer this week. There's an airmail letter in there which contains the only instance of my biological father's handwriting. Um, it's a, a letter that he sent to his aunt in the 1970s, and his handwriting's not very like mine. I, I think I got more of my handwriting from my mum, but there are a large number of those sample photo packs from school. You know when the school photographer comes, and uh, they line the kids up, and uh, this is a unique experience for you as parents. If you're not parents yet, and you're hoping to be a parent, this joy is coming, okay? Um, where the, the kids go, and they go in to see the school photographer, and for some reason, the photographer isn't able to get the kids to smile with their eyes. And so we get you know, the, the completely non-engaged smile where the lips are doing the work, but the eyes aren't in it. Uh, we have those, loads of those, in fact, uh, from different ages, um, of t- uh, different ages throughout their schooling career. Um, there's, a, there's a cardboard holder containing our tickets to the Paralympic Stadium on the 1st of September 2012, which was a gift from uh, Chloe's uh, uh, older sister and her husband. He got to be a spot, um, like a steward on that day, and he got us some tickets. And we went down to um, uh, the, the east end of London uh, to the, the stadium there, and uh, that was the day on which I saw 85,000 people stand up and applaud a man with a disability coming last in a race. It was one of the most moving things I've ever seen. It really was. There's an ancient list of names and addresses of all the different people who attended our wedding. And as I read through the list, I was thinking, wow, look at that name. And oh, I haven't seen them for years. And I was thinking, man, I bet most of these people have moved by now. And then they're not there anymore. Um, There's a thank you card from a child in Kenya that we sponsored through Compassion at one time. 
Um, there's, a, there's a photograph of uh, George's head boy. Sorry to pick you out, George, on, on, on the message. But uh, uh, it reminded me of the fact that uh, George is a smart guy. And what he did was, when it came to time for elections in primary school, he worked out it wasn't any good just being friends with your buddies in year six. Oh, no, no. What you have to do is go and make friends with the whole school so that they all know you by name. Uh, and so George, the pastoral and political genius that he is, went round for three or four weeks beforehand and made friends with every single primary school kid in that school. And then, of course, when the elections came, he won it by a landslide victory because they all knew him. Smart lad. Round of applause, please, for George. Very good. Sorry to call you out, George. Those little snippets, those little memories are sitting in that drawer. Um, There is a drawing uh, by Simon uh, with the title Fantastic Me. On it, and this is at a time when you know uh, primary school kids, uh, sorry, primary school teachers are doing that affirmation thing and building kids in their self-esteem. And each of the kids in that class that day had a, a fantastic me frame with fantastic me at the top and a frame, and they were told to draw three things that they were fantastic at. And so Simon drew, I, I am fantastic at sw- uh, running and swimming and climbing. And we had pictures of Simon in these activities and doing these great things. Um, now, uh, sorry to call you out, Simon, but the art was not fantastic. But that's not the point. Um, you know, it wouldn't have made it into the Royal Academy of Art down in London. But that's not the point at all. It was gorgeous to us. For, for him as a five, five-year-old or a six-year-old, whenever he did that, it represents a one-of-a-kind, never-to-be-repeated moment in his schooling career. And therefore... Hugely precious, enormously so. So this drawer contains things that to other people, if they went through them, they would mean very little. But if we sat with them and explained what they meant, uh, they would hear the story behind each one of those things. And they would understand why each of those things is precious. It's a drawer that contains things that, are, that really matters to our hearts and I'm sure that each, one, each and every one of us in this room and each of you guys watching on the live stream, you will have a space in your household or where you live that has these things in it. It might be small, it might be large, I don't know how you process these things, but nearly all of us have some means of storing precious memories. Whether you have a drawer or a scrapbook uh, or a series of photo albums or a library of moments uh, that you can go to, perhaps captured on a camcorder and you can watch back on, on the projector or on your, t- on your smart TV. Um, maybe it's pictures all around your house. You know, I've done pastoral visits to some houses uh, represented in this room. And basically, it's wall-to-wall photographs of family moments and times. And this is, a, you know, I've thought, wow, this family is just really connected and they've got loads of great memories. However you do it... All of, all of us have precious memories that we want to capture. All of us have moments that are really important in here. And it's as we get to know people and as we, we draw alongside them, we start to realize what those precious moments are for them. And when we get to know people um, and we see what their precious moments are, we love them a bit, don't we? We, we realize, oh, that was special for you. And, and, and we connect with that. We really do. When the Lord was looking through the nation of Israel to pick a couple to take on the awesome task of being stepdad and actual mum to Jesus, he was looking for some people who would fit his plan. And we looked last week at how Joseph was somebody who uh, was able to cover, he was able to wait, and he was able to listen. He had some great qualities there. Not necessarily your kind of macho standout, warlike qualities, but absolutely brilliant to be the stepdad to Jesus. 
Um, and as he's looking through the nation of Israel, he's looking for the other half of the couple that can match what he needs for his plan. And he sees that Joseph is betrothed to this girl called Mary, and she is a girl really. You know, we, we have um, a thing in BCC where that you are a child until you're 18, which the 15, 16, and 17-year-olds do not enjoy being called a child, but that technically and legally they are. Mary was 15 or 16, we think, or scholars think. So she was a young lass. She really was. Um, and uh, I think God picks her because she is young and she's not had any kind of a relationship with a man before. No sexual relation. She's not maybe even had a boyfriend. She's just beginning to get engaged to Joseph. And, and God is looking for, her, for someone like her because it's very important that his first is also her first. That's very key. It would only be right for, the, for her first child to be set apart as the Lord's because his first child is set apart for us. Does that make sense? Now, she's naturally concerned, as I'm sure 15 and 16-year-old girls will be, about the process of becoming pregnant with Jesus, totally concerned about that, um, and and very understandably so. Uh, But when the the angel talks her through it, and then the angel asks her to consider her relative Elizabeth, and he says in the text that Shagan read for us there, um, that, uh, you know, Elizabeth is now, who could not conceive, is now six months on in pregnancy. Um, And so, Mary realizes and understands that God can do anything he wants to do. He is capable of doing whatever he wants. And so she says, having heard this reasoning, she says this wonderful sentence, let it be to me according to your word. How I wish I myself and the rest of us as church and Christians around the world could really drink in that statement. Let it be to me as you have said. Let it be to me according to your word. I'd love to have the kind of faith that just did that instantaneously when God says something. Are you one of those people that's kind of had a journey on the obedience front with God? <laughs> you've, you've had, you know, those times where it's taken you ages to get obedient on something. As I've got older, I've worked hard on narrowing that gap right down and trying my very, very best to be obedient sooner rather than later. Uh, in, the, in, some of my, in some of my history, there's times where I've not been obedient for years, and I've really paid for it. I'm now much more on it. If God tells me to do something, it's exercising me a lot more quickly, and I'm trying to get that gap really short. Elizabeth seems to understand this right from the get-go. She's right on it straight away. She says, um, where is it? Where's it gone now? So sorry. Let it be to me according to your word great attitude. Um, after meeting with, with Elizabeth, Mary magnifies or praises God in a passage of the Bible which has been, come to be known, the Magnificat. I'm not going to get into that too much this morning, but it's a piece of tremendous prophetic praise, uh, which if you read it, is, it's, it's high words, high words for a, a young peasant girl of, of 15 or 16. They're incredibly inspired by the Holy Spirit. These are great qualities, and, and, and none of them should be taken away at all. And you'll have heard many Christmas messages about the nature and person of Mary and, and, and her faith and her obedience and her openness and her willingness to serve the Lord. But that's not what I want to jump into today. I want to take us on a bit of a journey through five little word pictures that Luke gives us in Luke 1 and Luke 2 that really touch on something very important about Mary that I don't think is always shared or explained enough Um, they mark her out as having qualities in her that allow God to use her uh, and to make her part of his plan. Um, 
So this is, a, this is the quality of Mary that I think comes to the Lord. She is a deeply reflective lady. She treasures things in her heart and mind. Um, if, uh, if Mary had gone to Ikea to get some drawers and she was kind of over time getting some stuff about Jesus in the drawers, I think there would be all six of the drawers that come with one of those cabinets would be filled with stuff about her son Jesus. That's the kind of lady that she is. Um, Mary is a very, very, um, how, can I, how can I put it? She's not a casual person. You know how you get some people, and I, I don't mean to, this isn't an insult, by the way, but I think some people can be quite casual about things, can't they? They're just sort of fairly easygoing, happy-go-lucky. Around this issue of becoming the mother of the Son of God, I don't get that Mary is casual. Do you? She's just not, is she? She's treating this with a lot of uh, reflection uh, and focus. And I want to I take us on a bit of a journey uh, with this. Um, a lot of us are having, how many of us are having Christmas deliveries at the moment? Put your hand up if you've had one or two Christmas deliveries. You know, uh, maybe there were a lot more in the first service. They seem to be maybe a bit more organized. You're going shopping, aren't you, tomorrow? Okay. Um, if Mary were a Christmas delivery service, she would not just leave Jesus on your doorstep and knock and run away like Amazon do. Uh, anyone had that? A knock on the door, and whether you're in or not, it doesn't really matter. Amazon have left the parcel, and they've gone, haven't they? Mary would not be like that. No, Mary would not. She would be one of those delivery companies where she would knock and she would wait. She would hand Jesus to you. She would film you with Jesus, and then she would uh, you know, take a photograph of it, make sure that Jesus was handed over to you, and then she'd go home and put that photograph on her wall or in her Ikea cabinet. She is really on it with Jesus. Let me take you through these five mini-word pictures. If you jump into your YouVersion Bible app um, and go to events and then find Birmingham City Church, you will find all of the scriptures that Shagan read for us, but then these five points or five word pictures. I'm just going to take you through them briefly, and then I'm going to ask a question of us at the end. These words in the English are as follows that, that I spot that, Mary, that, that, that Luke picks up about Mary. They are troubled, wondering, treasuring, meditating, and keeping. Now, these are all internal states, aren't they? These are all states of mind or states of heart. Let me just unpack some of these a little bit with you. Uh, the first one, deeply troubled. Uh, Gabriel greets her by saying in the previous verse, um, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But Mary has a kind of slightly, slightly uh, surprising response. She's deeply troubled and she wonders about it. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I'm someone that quite enjoys an affirmation from God or an encouragement from God. Um, uh, I remember one of our uh, regional leaders, a guy called Dave Campbell, uh, went to a maximum security uh, prison and he went into the wing where there are people who've got mental disturbances and he's never been there before. Uh, and he goes in there, and um, as he goes on to the corridor of this wing, a, a, a man from one of the cells shouts out really loudly to all the other inmates uh, that a man of God has arrived. Uh, now, Dave said that he was quite sort of surprised that this, this bloke would shout that out, and, but when he got home, he told his wife, and then he reflected on it, and he thought, actually, that's quite an affirmation of my ministry. You know, that God, this man knew that God was with me, and he shouted it out randomly. We, they'd never met before. And something in this man's spirit understood the nearness or the proximity of God. Now, if that happened to you or me, I would suggest that maybe there's a fair few of us would be quite pleased with that affirmation. 
you know, if somebody comes up and gives you a prophetic word and says, hey, you know, God's with you, man of God, or God's with you, woman of God, that, that's a nice thing to hear, isn't it? Now, Mary doesn't really react like that. She is deeply troubled. It's a Greek word, diataraso, a diataraso. And just to give you a bit of a context on this, in Matthew's gospel, when the wise men visit Herod um, and they're asking about where Jesus is, it says that Herod and all Jerusalem were troubled with him. That's just the kind of the, the straight version, the, the toned down version of troubled. That's taraso by itself. And what Luke does is he adds this prefix dia to mean it's incredibly focused trouble. It's like an intense, intensely perturbed, deeply troubled, really, really exercised, you know, acutely distressed over it. Perplexed to the very limit would be a great description of how Mary's feeling. You know, I think, I don't know whether Luke looked at, looked at Matthew or not when he wrote his gospel, but he's making the point that Mary is more worried than Herod and all of Jerusalem by this greeting from the angel. That tells me she takes things in here and she thinks about them. She's thinking about them really intensively. Um, so that's the first word picture. Um, and it's not, it's, you know, you, get, you hear an affirmation from the angel Gabriel, but it's, she doesn't receive it like an affirmation. She's struggling to receive that and trying to process it a little bit. The second word picture is the word wondering. Uh, and the word wondering comes from a fantastic Greek word, which is dialogizomai. Um, quite a long word, and it's the word we get dialogue from. Uh, and uh, just plain legizomai means to reckon or to add up or to evaluate. You might be in a maths class and you would be doing legizomai as you are working through your equations in class. But dear legizomai, the addition of that prefix on the front of the word, makes it more intense. It means that you're intensely evaluating something to the point of it really stressing you out. You're trying to discern something incredibly, incredibly important for your life. Uh, I remember my dad driving uh, along a road one time, and uh, this truck came the other way, and I remember my dad lining up the wheel like this, just at the last minute to get into the corner of the road, because he was really concerned that this truck coming the other way, we were going to have a crash. And if the focus and the intensity on his, on, his, on his face was quite something to behold, and we got away with it. This truck seemed to go past us, but my dad had to stop, and he went, whew. You know, and I, I watched from the back seat, I watched him kind of do this with the wheel and trying to try to bring it into the side. That's that's dear legizomai. That's really kind of focusing intently to get it exactly right or to try and understand a situation. And so what I want to say to us from Luke one twenty nine is that um, Luke is saying that Mary is deeply troubled, intensively so, and really wondering. Now that tells me she is somebody who processes things at a profound level. It's deep in here. She is not a light, a light and superficial person at all. Um, let's jump to the next pair of words. The shepherds have been, they found Mary and Joseph and, and, and baby Jesus lying in the manger uh, after hearing how to find him, that he'll be wrapped in, in a manger. They, they find him and then they're delighted and they go off and tell everybody in the vicinity. And in Luke 2.19, it then says, but Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart. Now that word treasuring, Greek word, sunterio, and it means to guard or to keep safe. And, and again, Luke is bunging on extra emphasis. It's like Luke has got a standard vocabulary pack, and then he's adding caffeine and, and, and lots of other stuff to it to make it really strong, to really drive home the point. The word terio uh, in Greek means to guard or to keep safe, uh, to, to look after. But sunterio means to guard with everything you've got. 
if you can imagine the difference, you've got a group of soldiers who are on an assignment and they're, they're maybe looking after a, some gold bars of treasure and they're, and they're camped in a, in, a, in a circle around this. That would be Terio. Um, Sun Terio would be taking those gold bars of treasure, wrapping them in a cloth and having them as a pillow under your head so that nobody could move it without you feeling, without you knowing. That's Sun Terio. Mary is processing this stuff and she's putting treasure on the inside of her heart. I love the fact that uh, I hadn't had any conversation with Ruth at all this morning. And she's prayed and independently come up with where your treasure, your heart is. That is so on the spirit. Thank you, Ruth, for that. I really appreciate it because Mary is treasuring this stuff from Jesus. She has got her Ikea red cabinet and she is packing it with memories. That's so important to understand. Um, The next word, Luke 2.19, the second half of that word is meditating. That's a great, that's a great word called symbolo. Uh, it means to throw together. You know, we have this phrase in our, in our culture, don't we, of, uh, of throwing something together. And it either means something really casual or we threw a party together for our friends and it was like, you know, we did it at the last minute and it's a bit casual and haphazard, and, but it worked. And then we've got those, those people in our lives who say that they threw it together, but actually they didn't. That they spent, you know, you've gone around for a meal and they've said, oh, yeah, I just threw this together, you know. And you know they've been cooking for six hours. Um, that's not what this is. The, uh, Saint, uh, uh, sorry, lost my place there a minute. Um, uh, where are we? Yes, thrown together. So we don't have the, 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 it's not the casual thing or the falsely casual thing, which is really intense. Um, it's the idea of taking a number of random different things from different points in your experience and putting them all together in a central place and then using that to look at it. Um, I don't know how, I don't know what you would do, a particular scenario you might do, but for instance, um, if you were about to purchase a house, you would go through a process of sumbalo. Yeah, you would pull all the different random variables together and you would put them on a piece of paper and you'd kind of think about it. That's, that's what that means. That word ballo from Greek is where we get the word ball, you know, bouncy ball that we throw to each other. And also the word ballistics. Um, it's to do with throwing things together. But it's not a casual throwing thing. It, a casual throwing, it's a, an intentional and deep thing. Uh, Luke is saying that Mary is seeing lots of different parts of her experience and gathering it up and treasuring it and looking after it. Let me just jump down to the very last one of these word pictures. Um, and it's from Luke 2.51. It's a little bit beyond our readings this morning, but it's at the time when Jesus is 12 years old and he's gone to the temple and then they found, he got lost. Do you remember that? And then he's been found. Um, in Luke 2.51, it says this, his mother kept all these things in her heart. And that's a, 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 another version of Terio again. That's dear Terio. Uh, which is to keep watch carefully, to treasure, but with the purpose of handing to someone, passing something on, uh, making sure that it's completely intact for delivery. Uh, have you ever had something really precious delivered? Uh, and then as you've received the box, you can hear bits jangling around inside. And you're thinking, oh, man, that, that's not being delivered that carefully. That's not dear Terrio. Uh, you, you want stuff delivered that's been delivered really well and it's packaged really well. We've ordered up some, uh, some mugs for our staff team uh, as, as gifts. And um, uh, they've arrived in a very, very large box. Uh, there's, there's, there's a few China mugs in there. But this box is huge. And I was like, what is this box? And I opened it up and they've packaged it to the nth degree. Those those. Those mugs, you could drop that box off a, off a skyscraper. They're not going to break. Uh, they're really, really well packaged. That's Terrio. That's packaging something really, really well and really, really carefully. 
The reason that I want to give you these five little word pictures, troubled, wondering, treasuring, meditating, keeping, is they are states of mind from a woman assigned by God to be the mother of Jesus. Now just think for a moment through the logic of God's mind. He is wanting a person who will treasure his son. Now, all of us as parents treasure our kids. We absolutely do. There's, not, you know, there's nothing we wouldn't do for our kids. We, that's what it means to be a parent. But there's something extra special about Mary that marks her out for inclusion in God's plan. He's chosen a woman who knows how to treasure to the nth degree. It's a specialism of hers. She, she is really good at this. And Luke notices it, and it comes out in, 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 in how he speaks to her and, and what he finds out about her. Um, something I've noticed about, about Luke is that, or no, I notice about this account, is this is not something Mary shows off about. She's not kind of there parading this special knowledge, is she? And what that tells me is that Luke has got alongside her and become friends with her and tried to find out about what she feels about her son. And then over time, these little snippets have come out. You can imagine Luke sitting there and saying, so what was it like when the angel Gabriel spoke to you? And then she said some things. And then later he said, well, you know, how did the shepherds find you? And she told him that and so on. Luke is, Luke is, a, is an amazing guy. He uses incredibly specific words. Luke is a doctor. Uh, he is good at picking exactly the right word to describe the, the situation in detail. And he, has, he clearly spent time with Mary and understood who she is and what she's like. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to ask us all to stand. I'm going to ask the worship team in the choir just to hold off a second. And I'm going to call you, sorry, worship team and choir. I'm going to call you forward in just a minute. But it's, for the rest of us, or in fact, all of you guys, let's all stand a minute. There's something I want to do in, in, by means of response today. When you treasure something in your heart, you do so because it's, it's precious to you. And we all have moments and, and stuff going back through time that's really precious to us. Thanks, Ed. We all have... We good? Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, team. Don't our sound team do a great job? I know that's run out, but they've recovered that really quickly. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. When you treasure something in your heart like Mary does, it's, it's, you're basically saying, I'm not being at all casual about this. This matters to me. I have kept this in my heart and in my mind because it's important, it's precious. And I've got a question to ask us all today, just as we stand here before the Lord. It's an important question, and it's prompted by the person of Mary and how she is at Christmas time. Here's my question. How is your heart right now? How is your heart right now, really? Not, not the heart answer you'd give a friend, or even the heart answer you'd give your closest friend or your closest confidant. What's it really like? Imagine it, it's you and Jesus in the room, and Jesus is sitting with you, and he's saying to you, so how's your heart? And you know there's no point in lying to Jesus. There's just no point. He knows our thoughts. He knows our heart already. And what he's doing by asking us that question is he's asking us to put it into words. 
He's asking us to verbalize it and to say it. What is going on in your heart today that you would struggle to say? Now, I don't want to kind of psychoanalyze you or bring up stuff that, you, that isn't there or, you know, pre- you know, pretend there are things that are, that are there that aren't there. I, I'm not trying to do that. But what I am trying to do is I'm trying to use the person of Mary as a mirror to our hearts because she was a person who had space in her heart to treasure the most important person of all. She had space in her heart to treasure Jesus. And I just want to ask us this morning, what's the space in our heart like? What's really going on in there? Are we anxious about a debt? Are we concerned about a fight with someone? Are we worried that something we hope is going to happen hasn't yet happened and we keep worrying about it? Do we have a background anxiety about some kind of health issue, either with ourselves or with someone we love? What is it that's going on in your heart this morning? I'm just going to pray over us for a moment. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and be the mirror to you. And if you go home today with one or two uncomfortable thoughts, that's not my heart. My heart isn't to make you feel uncomfortable. My heart is for you to bring whatever's in your heart to Jesus and open your heart to him in very much the same way that Mary did. Mary was an open girl. She trusted the Lord. May it be to me as you have said, she, she told the angel. Let's open our hearts to Jesus a moment. Let's just be silent for a minute. And then I'm going to pray over us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just surface us to the level of our hearts today. Would you present to us our hearts back again to us? Would you give us the clarity and the courage to look at our hearts properly? Would you give us some space this Christmas time to know whether our hearts have any room or not? I feel like the Lord is saying that the, that the condition of your heart is way, way more important to him than sometimes it is to each of us. We brush it off sometimes. We brush it off all too often. And I feel like the Spirit is saying to us, this Christmas time, take a bit of time to stop and listen to what your heart is telling you. Don't be frightened of that process. Because remember, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You are led by Jesus. You have the word of God. 
You have God on your side. God is for you and not against you. This isn't a frightening thing, but it's something that we do need to do. We must not rush past this. Over these next two weeks or so, I want you to really seriously take some time. It might be one or two hours just by yourself. Just saying to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you show me what my heart's like? Could I be a bit more like Mary, please, Holy Spirit, and have an openness to the precious things of Jesus? I'm just going to ask our worship team just to return to the platform and our choir. Thank you so much, choir. Thank you for being so patient. For the rest of us, just to remain standing for just a moment while the the worship team gather behind us. We are going to worship again uh, in just a moment. I think I've got a picture for us as a church just before we sing again just trying to discern what it is I'm doing a bit of dialogitima in my head actually trying to, trying to work out if this is right I think this is from the spirit do you know those times when you go to a venue maybe a bit like this or perhaps in town and there are so many people who've got so many mobile phones that your signal gets disrupted you can't quite connect or you can't quite get the Wi-Fi you can't quite get the 4G signal and you're like what is going on My phone's fine when I'm in this place, but now in this new place where all these people are or where all this stuff is going on, I can't discern. I can't connect. And I I feel like God is saying that to quite a few of us, that we have got like that with him. And the answer to that is to clear your heart, is to do some heart time with God. Do some heart time with the Spirit, and that signal will reestablish itself. There's more than a few of us in this room who are exercised by their own lack of connectivity with the Father. And I'm not, this is not a rebuke. This is just a, I'm here in the condition of your hearts through the Spirit. And I think there's a few of us in the room who would like that connectivity with the Father heart of God to be stronger. Amen? Let me just pray into that for a moment, and then we're going to sing. Lord, I thank you for that picture of the connectivity, and I pray that you'd increase that bandwidth to, to us all. I pray that you'd give us a nice, fat, strong signal from you this Christmas, this Christmas time. Would you, would you make it possible for us to hear from you really clearly, Lord God? Would you reestablish the signal between heaven and earth? Lord, if there are things that are in our hearts and minds that are not right or, or causing obstruction or there are distractions or there's a kind of whole mosaic of other things going on, Lord, I pray that you would help us to have some time this Christmas to take a leaf out of Mary's book and to have a heart that is open to the treasures that are you, Lord Jesus. I pray that upon us all today. Would there be some treasure from Jesus reestablished in hearts in this room right now? treasures of testimony, treasures of breakthrough, treasures of 
past victory, treasures of future promise realized. I pray all of these great things upon this, this wonderful group of people, Lord God. Would you do this this Christmas for us? Reconnect us with you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing to the Lord. Thank you, choir. Thank you, worship team.